It is good to be in the house of the Lord. Today, we are gathered here as Revelation Rock. Um, We're not an American church. We're a Christian church in America. We aren't gathered as an American church because our founders had the wisdom to found a nation based on the freedom of religion and not a state-run church. There's a reason I wanted the kids to all be in here for this because this is the only nation on the face of the earth where the freedoms that we take for granted exist altogether. Over the course of the last 247 years, there have been many times when this representative republic was threatened. Since its inception, our country has been protected by men and women who are willing to sacrifice years of their lives and many of their lives themselves for the sake of our enduring freedom. These brave men and women have served in the Army, the Navy, the Marine Corps, the Air Force, and the Coast Guard of this United States of America. Yesterday was known is what's known as Veterans Day. It was a day set aside to honor those who have served to make us free and those who have served to keep us free. Since this country's birth, we fought in the war for independence. We fought in the war of 1812, the Mexican-American War, the American Civil War, the Spanish-American War, and then I've got some statistics. In World War I, we had four million servicemen and women that served. In World War II, there was 16 million. In the Korean War, there was seven million Americans served. The Vietnam War, there was nine million American veterans served. 7.4 million Americans from the first Gulf War to present serving in the Middle East. And today, we want to take a minute and honor those veterans that are with us that have served. If you have served in any of the branches of our armed services or in the Coast Guard, if you would please stand for a second. You can stay standing. I'm going to pray for you guys. Tom, your feet will be fine. You can sit for the next 18 minutes then. (laughs) Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much for this time that we are living in. Father, I thank you for this country that right now we are living in, that we are free to gather together to worship you, to glorify you, to, to give praise and honor to the name of Jesus, to proclaim the gospel, which is the end all, be all solution for all of mankind. And Father, as long as this world has fallen, there will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be militaries that rise and fall. There will be soldiers that fight to defend the freedom that you've given us. Father, I thank you so much for these brave men and women, even all of the millions who have served that are not here. We thank you for them, that they've served, stood up for life, stood up for freedom. With the information that we've had at the time, we have served this country. Father, I pray a blessing over each of these that are represented here and even those that are uh, still serving that are from this body that aren't here. Father, I thank you for them and I pray a blessing over them. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can be seated, yes. The kids can be dismissed. Oh, good morning. Welcome to our family room. Thank you, worship team. That was awesome. That was a great time of worship. Next week, we've, we have a few business things. Next week, before we go any further, is baby dedication. If you have a baby that needs dedicated, get with Melinda or I or Jane. Um, we need to get pictures, which I should have done some research. I'm not sure where the pictures go. Maybe get with Jane. That would probably be... Or Melinda. They are much more responsible with those things than I am. So next week is the baby dedication. It's not going to be the whole service, but we are going to talk about it a little bit. Um, also, after church today, immediately following service, there's going to be a few minutes. The children, we're going to practice a Christmas song. So if you're a parent of a child, we're going to, just for a few minutes, we'll need them if we can. If not, that's no big deal, but we're going to try and practice afterwards. All right. 
So yesterday was Veterans Day. <clears throat> it falls on the anniversary of the armistice that ended World War I, which was uh, inaptly named the war to end all wars. It turns out this whole world was just getting started with war at the end of World War I. It took 20 years before the next one to come howling in like a winter blizzard, and the one after that practically started before that one ended. Since, we have managed to overlap, since then, we've managed to overlap wars upon wars upon wars. They, just, they overlap each other. And, and Jeremiah, in chapter 17, verse 9, he said, the heart is desperately evil or wicked. Who can know it? We've, we've seen that manifest in our world. This world is just chock full of evil. Everywhere we, everywhere we turn, it seems evildoers are prospering in their way. Evil agendas seem to be advancing and the opposition to evil seems to be floundering. Now, we've talked about this in depth uh, over the last, I don't know, two months. We've been looking at the book of Esther. And Esther lived in worse times than we live in. Like, we think, because we're not very old, any of us, the oldest person in here is not very old. Like, we get 80, 90 years, and we're, that's, that's a very small window of time to really have an accurate perspective. And so we're like, ah, oh, things are bad. It's like, well, we've only been, I've only been here 36 years. I haven't been here long enough to know if it's really bad. Just in my 36 years, it seems to have gotten worse. My grandpa lived to be 94, and even that, he didn't live to be really, like a real long window to have a real accurate perspective, because if he had, he would realize, and we would realize, it's like, there's a lot of really good things going on today, but we have a focus on some of the, some of the evil things going on. Um, it appears to us that, I think I have one of my daughter's hairs in my mouth. <laughs> Anyways, it appears to us that the world's going poorly, and that appearance is accurate. <laughs> it's going poorly. The world is not going, it's not going like just real, real great. There's evil agendas, there's people that hate life, there are, uh, there's spirits that are at work in this world. We're very well aware, like we're not naive, we have not been hiding under a rock, we're aware that there is evil afoot. There has been, since the fall of man, there's been evil afoot, and there's been ebbs and flows. You know what, when some, we say that, we say ebb and flow, and it's like, what does that really mean? Well, when a, when a river is ebbing, it means it is it is narrowing up. It's not flowing as much. And then when it flows, it increases in flow. So there's been times when evil may appear to be dormant. There's a, there's a particular weed, and I can't even remember the name of this weed, that used to be around our area all the time. And uh, I found out, I was talking to an agronomist the other day, and they said this particular weed seed, which I should have, would have behooved me to write down, this weed seed can lay dormant for like 20, 30 years. Just lay there under the surface of the soil, never getting quite enough heat to germinate. And then if you turn that seed up, it'll take right off and grow. And we see this evil is the same way. Those seeds are there. They're lying dormant. They're everywhere. Like intense, terrible, horrible evil is laying just beneath the surface in this earth. This earth's a fallen, it's a fallen world. The Bible talks about, Paul wrote about it, I mean, a lot, talking about how this earth is groaning in travail. It's getting tired. It's creaking and groaning. We have some chairs in our kitchen that my wife is, her husband is attached to them. She would love to move on with her life. But they creak and groan and squeak. And sometimes I sit down on them and I'm like, this is going to be the last time. <laughs> and it, one day it will be the last time. These are, they're not, I mean, I could glue them together, but I'm just like, we're living on the edge. And it, they creak and they groan. And that reminds me when I sit down on our, of our world. This world is creaking and it's squeaking and it's groaning and it's like one day it's just going to let loose. Christians everywhere today, this creaking and groaning, it has a, the enemy has, has worked this creaking and groaning like a war drum, beating this drum and this drum sounds of worry and panic and fear and worry and panic and fear and worry and panic and fear and I was laying in bed last night and I was thinking about this morning, I was thinking about the season in life that we live in as a church and about my job. Because I, I'm not, I cannot be responsible for everyone else's actions. I can only be responsible for what I choose to say and what I choose to do. So I've been praying and thinking and, and I was meditating on what we're doing and what my job is for us. 
And I saw this picture. I'm going to just tell you about this before we get into the message. Um, so the, the job, the title of pastor is one of shepherding. And that's not to say that I'm smarter than anybody else. It's just I've been commissioned with shepherding. And the job of a shepherd is, and I go over this with my kids, because the Lord is our shepherd, our great shepherd, and his job is to, to feed us, to make sure we have water, to keep us safe. That's his job. And eternally and spiritually, that job is completed. In this life, my job is to shepherd us as a body. And I saw this picture when I was laying in bed last night. I saw this picture because I, how many of you know I'm not the only shepherd in our area? There's shepherds everywhere. There's lots, of, there's lots of churches, and I am not opposed to our neighboring churches. I saw with clarity us as a flock, and I am doing my best to navigate the times in which we live. And it's, it becomes, it's, it can be a little difficult when there's shepherds that are in our world, I'm not talking about anybody in particular, but shepherds in our world that are whipping the sheep up into running around and that are, we're, we're almost running to this worry and panic and fear and worry and panic and fear and let's get excited about worry and panic and fear. It's easy to motivate people with those things. It's easy to, but that's not our job. You know, we're not called to be worried, panicked, and fearful. We're called to be peaceful when there is no peace around. It's not, things aren't always going to go our way. And we've talked about this amongst the elders and a lot, how a, there is a testimony in believing things are going to go smoothly or go a certain way and then having that come to fruition. There is a testimony of, in that, Right? Anybody test it? Like, where you pray for healing and you receive healing, there's a testimony in that. That's an example. But there's also a testimony, and, and possibly a greater testimony, but certainly an equal testimony, to believing things to go one way, and they go the other, and you still have peace. It looks, it's like, how do you do the math on that? When things don't go the way that we want or we believe or we think and we continue in peace. I'm not talking about uh, passivity where there's just nothing. We're not talking about not doing. Inactivity is not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about the world falling apart and you not being moved by it. For instance, picture, and I know that we've spent a lot of time picturing these burning buildings lately. But picture someone walking into a burning building that's calm. It's like, well, I feel like we should panic for him. It's like, what is wrong with that guy? Or does he know something that we don't know? We're looking at a building. The building is burning to the ground, and there's someone calmly walking towards it. He knows something that we don't know. As believers in Jesus Christ, we know something that other people don't know. We are equipped with something that other people that don't know Jesus are not equipped with. The question is, do we know it? If you brought your Bibles, you want to turn them to Psalm chapter 37. Uh, we're going a little different direction. We're, we're, we've been talking, we've looked, we've worked through Esther. We're going to wrap Esther up at some point. Esther brought... Uh, Really, the study of Esther brought me to this place where we're pre, and, and then everything in the world lined up with this place. Uh, and I want to share this. It's not going to be probably a real long message this morning, but I hope that it speaks to you. The hallmarks of a believer today are first, to be Christ like, agape, love, and second, peace that doesn't make sense. We're supposed to love each other the way Christ loved the church. That means in here, that means in this body right here. There's somebody in here. Now, this is specifically for, because I wrote this down, this Christ-like agape love, and I'm like, that wasn't really in my note, but it is for somebody specifically this morning that there is, Jesus told his disciples, the world will know, all will know that you are my disciples by your agape, unconditional love in action for one another. Not for the world. Every, there's a lot of people in the church who want to get really jacked up and excited about going out and loving on the world. We're supposed to carry the gospel to the world, but we're supposed to love each other. 
If we don't love each other, we got nothing to offer the world. The world's got conditional love. They got that figured out. But what they don't understand, what is puzzling to them is unconditional love. When someone wrongs you and you respond with love, as for somebody this morning, that's a hallmark, that is the earmark of a believer. Christ-like, agape, unconditional love and action for each other, and peace that doesn't make sense. This doesn't mean rubber stamping evil or standing idly by while our society burns to the ground. We're going to get to that. But peace that doesn't make sense. You know, Esther and Mordecai, we weren't going to preach on Esther, but I was just thinking about this. They chose to engage their society, their very evil, ungodly society. They chose to engage their culture with the information that they had, and they did not carry the burden of the outcome. Like, what did Esther say? She said, if I perish, I perish. I'm going to engage. If this fails, if this effort fails, it's going to fail with me trying. She chose, they chose to engage. But we're going to take a week off uh, for a specific purpose. Psalm chapter 37, verses 1 and 2, starts out, reads, Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Like I said, our study of Esther led me to this and just kind of kept, it kept circling back to this, Psalm 37, and I love a whole bunch of different verses in here. Are, there's hallmark verses throughout this chapter, but I kept coming back to this and coming back to it and coming back to it, and I thought, do not fret because of evildoers. Um, this is, I'm just going to be honest, this is the most popular thing in the church today. Let's fret because of evildoers. This is the most popular thing going on today is fretting. And you say, well, I don't know about that. And I, like, fret's an interesting English word, but the, the word in the Hebrew, I'm not going to try to pronounce it, but it, it actually paints this picture of to blaze up with anger, zeal, to burn with anger, earnestly be displeased, to wax hot or be incensed, to kindle and be wroth. That does not sound like fret. When I hear fret, like when I read fret, I'm like wringing your hands with, oh, no, I don't know what's going on. It's like, this is like waxing hot. This is, there's an intensity to this. Do not fret. Do not intensely blaze up in anger. Earnestly wax hot or be wroth because of evildoers. And I know, in your gut right now, in my gut when I read it, I'm like, I don't think I agree with this, David. This is, now, this, I always like to look at context. When was this written in David's life? And we believe, I mean, it's, I didn't really get a solid, real, like, concrete thing, but later on in the chapter we see, he says, I have been young in verse 25, and now I am old. There's a, there's a, kind of built into that as he was aged. He wasn't a young man anymore. He'd seen some, in other words, he wasn't 16 writing this, like, well, don't fret because of evildoers, to which all of us who are older than 16 would look at him and say, you haven't seen some things. I'll fret when I think I need to, right? But an old guy, it's like, I remember talking about my grandpa. I remember my grandpa bringing correction into my life, and I would have some, and it's like, he's seen it all. He's 90, almost 100 years old. What am I going to say? You haven't seen this? Yes, he has. In the same way, we look at the words of old, probably serving as King David, and he says, don't fret because of evildoers. He's, how many of you know he's seen more evildoers than we have? He'd been chased and pursued and had his life attempted by his own son. The man's seen some evildoers. And, and truthfully, I make the case, he had a lot more reason to fret than any of us do today. Like, that's fret-worthy stuff that he had dealt with. Even, even if we're not going to use our English word fret, if we're going to look at the Hebrew word that, that it came from, that blaze up with anger and earnestly wax hot. That's like, I feel like you could make the case for that in his life. Can I get an amen? Like, that his life had not been puppies and kittens. He says, don't fret because of evildoers. Nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. What if they're winning? 
feel like if they're winning, then we probably should be envious or fret a little bit. But David goes on. He says, For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. We're just going to read this next chunk, then we're going to come back and go through it. He says, They shall soon be cut down like the grass, wither as the green herb. Verse 3, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell on the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord and trust also in him. He shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. Verse 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger, forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. Yet in a little while the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek, they shall inherit the earth, that shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. It goes on in verse 12, it says, The wicked plots against the just, gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees his day is coming. Verse 14, the wicked have drawn their sword, they've bent their bow to cast down the poor and the needy, to slay those who are of upright conduct. Verse 15, their sword shall enter their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. Verse 16, a little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. As I've been reading this, praying about it, what to share. I know this chapter is for us today. I think I know some of why. Goes on in verse 18, says, The Lord knows the days of the upright. And their inheritance shall be forever or eternal, some translations. Their inheritance shall be eternal. So, this, uh, this day we live in is uh, it's an interesting time to be a believer. Um, the the church like a big C like the the church the world over we've got more divisions I mean our divisions have divisions like we got divisions and then the divisions and then they've got divisions now we've got our divisions are multiplying they're not being added to you know Taya my daughter is learning she's learning addition and subtraction and so she's learning the difference the sum and I can't remember the one for uh, subtraction what's the answer for subtraction anybody did anyone pass first grade? The answer. I don't know what it is. Anyway, she's learning the differences of all these things, but I think about evil today is capitalizing on our division. Because this is not, like, this isn't a new concept to divide and conquer. You know that? Is everybody aware of that? It's like, if we have, if we're one army and then there's another army and we can split them into two, they're more easily defeated. Can I get an amen? This is not new. Why do you think Satan went to Eve when it was just Eve? He didn't go when it was Adam and Eve. He went when it was just Eve. Divide and conquer. This isn't new. We are playing into the enemy's hands with our division. It's an interesting time to be a believer. We are divided upon everything. There are things that are going on in our world today, in our country, in our government, and that are going on in our society that we as believers shake at. We're distraught about. We fret over in the English word and the Hebrew way, both of them. And as believers, my job is, as a shepherd of this group of believers is to shepherd us to walk with unity and to shepherd us to walk with peace. You say, what is it going to accomplish to walk in peace? If you and I want to have conversations with people, if we want to introduce someone to Jesus, which is our job, 
Is it not? Our job is to introduce the world to the person of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Nothing's going to change anybody's world, anybody's world or their lives without the Messiah. That's our job. That's our number one job. We're never going to do that from a position of chaos, are we? If we got chaos, whether it's in our heart or in our body, we're not going to introduce anybody to Jesus. They're going to look and say, I, there's chaos everywhere. But when we walk with peace, circumspectly, seeing all the way around the thing, circumspectly, we're, not, we're having an accurate view of the things going on in the world. How do we know that? We've been given the Holy Spirit. We've been given the Word of God. We can look at the world and say, yes, world is on fire for sure. We carry the gospel, and we're going to introduce people to Jesus because we're walking with peace. How do we do that, though? Because the world's on fire, and it keeps getting more on fire. I get pretty wound up sometimes. I'm probably the only one in here, but I can get pretty wound up. I listen to something or I read an article. I shared some information that I read with my wife at the most inopportune moment. We were right fixing to go to bed the other night, and I slept fine. She did not. It's not the time. Like, this stuff gets, put, gets us worked up, doesn't it? The stuff going on. We read an article, and it's like, oh my goodness, it's shaking. I gotta send this to as many people as I can. And then we whip each other up into a frenzy about what's wrong. Now, I am not here today liaising for what all is wrong. I'm not, I'm not standing up here saying it is okay. Whatever's wrong is just fine. What's wrong is wrong. Evil's evil. There's nothing in this that says don't fret because of evildoers because what they're doing is not wrong. That's not what David wrote at all. He said don't fret because of evildoers. Don't be envious of the workers of iniquity for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. That last part of verse 2, <clears throat> they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Uh, there's a so how many of you know gravity works every time? Like it just it always works every time. And so David was writing this from the perspective of he can write some stuff because he's seen some stuff. He's seen how this works. And we we can be students of history today. We can look back and we can see evil always fails. You know that? Every single evil regime in the world has always failed. And it always will. It's like gravity. It always will fail. David wrote this because he knew this to be true. Evil's been failing as long as it's been. And it's not going to stop failing now. On the contrary, do you know the Lord's never lost? He's never lost. The cause of good has never been defeated. Now, you might look back at history and say, what about right here? I'll make the case. Things have, good has retreated to live to fight another day, but it's never lost. It's not going to start now. In fact, as we sang about, the greatest victory, the most visible victory that will ever take place is just around the corner. Possibly this afternoon. I believe it's not going to be this morning because the Lord wants me to finish this message. <laughs> but it could be this afternoon. I, I just, I believe this with all my heart that this word is for us today. For us today. Does anybody remember the principle of displacement? One of the first times I preached, I stumbled through a message about displacement. And it was a little bit of a yard sale. A few of you may remember it. I'm sorry. But the concept of displacement is if this cup is full of air and I want to get the air out, what's the most effective way to do it? Just fill it with water. You know when the cup's full of water, there ain't any air in it. And I never worked at it. It's, it's, it's like this full of coffee. And there's no air down here. I didn't work at it at all. I just pushed, I pushed the button and let the coffee do the work. This principle of displacement is a life changer for us as believers. So you say, fret not. David wrote us in verse one of, of chapter 37. He didn't write the chapter and verses, but he wrote it in this, a Psalm of David, the heritage of the righteous and the calamity of the wicked. Do not fret because of evildoers. Okay, what are we supposed to do then? Because you can go home and I can go home and we can put our hearts to not fretting. We can say, you know what, Trey? I'm gonna remind you every day, don't fret. Don't fret. Tom, I'm gonna send you a text every day. Don't fret. Don't fret. Well, I'll just text everybody about not fretting, and then we'll fret about not fretting. 
you know that the easy thing to do is just fill the cup with something different. If you got a, carrying around a cup full of fret, full of that, that earnest, uh, incensed, kindling, hot stress and anxiety about what's going on, it's like, well, what are you going to do about it? You can just try. Oh, I'm going to try. This cup's not going to be full of it. It'll never empty out like that until you displace it. And David wrote us, remember, this is old David. Young David would have spent all the verses on that verse one. <laughs> like young David, that's how, young, that's how we are as young people. It's like, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And then we get old and we're like, don't do that. Instead, do this. That was, some of you will get that after lunch today. Verse three, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord. He shall give you the desire of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring to forth your righteousness as a light and your justice as a noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers his way, because the man who brings wicked schemes to pass cease from anger. Forsake wrath. So he gives us the thing to fill your cup with. It's right here. He's like, don't fret. That's thing one. So you got a cup full of fret? Perfect. We got the rest of the chapter for us. So we're going to take that cup full of fret and we're going to fill it with trust. Now the word trust means confidence, boldness, and security. Whew. Now tell me what anxiety that word doesn't put to rest. Confidence, boldness, and security. If you can displace your fretting with confidence, what? Like it's not, it doesn't just say, just trust, just trust. That's so secular and so popular today, isn't it? People are like, well, you know, they, everybody, and I don't social media, you know that, but you see things, and people love their words. It's like, joy, what a great word joy is. Well, without any context, it's meaningless. Just trust. Trust what? To, say, to tell people, well, you know what, you just got to trust. Just trust what? No, I need to trust who? I need to know who is my trust in. If I were to walk up here and I'm going to start sitting down, and Tom's like, just trust, Isaac, just sit down. I can trust, and it can make me sit back, but I'm going to end up on the floor. I need to know. I need to know there's a chair. I can trust. I'm going to trust this stage. See, I double check it. I'm going to trust the stage. I knew it's there. I know what I'm trusting in. I was here when this stage was built. I remember. I know what's underneath there. Trust. Confidence. And I can have the boldness to trust in the Lord. What does that trust create in us? Gives us, we can do good now. Because you know when we're fretting, this is an interesting thing, and we're probably not gonna, this was gonna be short. <laughs> Interestingly enough, fret causes inactivity. It, we burn a lot of energy fretting, but we're inactive. We're not moving the ball down the field. That was my one number one sports reference, Trey. He keeps track of them. I have seven in my life. We're not moving the ball down the field. We're not accomplishing what we're called to be. If we're called to make disciples and we're busy fretting, are we making any disciples? Nope. We're not actively reaching into people's hearts and into people's minds and introducing them to the person of Jesus who will change their whole world. If we're fretting, we're inactive. But if we're trusting, if we trust in the Lord, then we're free to do good, what God has called us to. He gives us, he invites us to dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. There's a uh, generation, my generation that is in the world working today, and this, may, this verse may speak more to us than to some of you who are a little bit further along, but it may reach you. I'm not sure. But for us, this dwelling in the land and feeding on his faithfulness, this word dwell means to settle down, to abide, and to become established. To settle down in the land, to dwell in the land, to abide in the land, and to be established. Our, my generation of, of humans in America, I don't want to say even Christians because it's across the board as humans, um, we're wildly, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Discontent. It's just everywhere. Everybody's discontent. When I think of my generation, so I grew up riding horses. We still have 
uh, a horse and donkey. I may not forget the donkey. The donkey is one of the most important members of our family. But I grew up riding horses, and my dad, when he was teaching us how to saddle a horse, the one of the most important things you do is you always look at the blanket that goes on before the saddle and inspect it for burrs or anything that could be on there that would make the horse uncomfortable. Because if that burr is in the wrong spot and you get on the horse, the horse will get you off of him fairly quickly. And so when I see this word, this word, this instruction in verse three, dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness, I think of my generation and it's like, when you put a saddle on a horse with a burr under the blanket, before you ever get on, you can tell because they're just like, their skin never stops, they're just uncomfortable. And it's like, what's wrong with you, horse? It's like, oh, you have a burr under your saddle. I understand Anybody ever heard that saying? What do you got, a burr under your saddle? That's where it comes. It's like you get a burr and it's just, you just feel altogether different. And that is our generation of believers. We're just, of, of humans. I don't want to say just believers, of humans. We're just, un, it's like we're not ready to, we're not going to, how, how hard is it to establish, be established or to settle down with a burr under your saddle? That discontentment. There is a choice that we make. As believers, we choose to dwell we choose to settle down and abide, be established. He goes on. Verse four, he says, delight yourself also in the Lord. So we're supposed to trust in the Lord and delight ourselves in the Lord. He shall give you the desires of your heart. How many of you know in these first three things, trust, dwell, and delight, we've, we don't have a lot of time left for, what's the first word we looked at? Fretting? Well, no, because I'm busy trusting. I gotta remember, I gotta trust the Lord. And everything, I gotta dwell, I'm gonna choose to dwell in the land, to settle down, to be established. Well, it's difficult to do that if we're fretting. And then I'm gonna delight myself in the Lord. That delight, the word delight means to be happy about. And I like this, this one is in, this is in Strong's, uh, it's Strong's Hebrew 6026 is the word delight. It says to be happy about, to take exquisite delight. It's like not just, we read, delight yourself in the Lord. Okay, okay, be, be happy, whatever. But there's a, there's a, there's a detail. How many of you know God's a God of detail? There's a detail in his, take exquisite delight. Pay attention to the details of my faithfulness. Take exquisite delight in me as the Lord in your life. You know, you wrap yourself up in just that one right there. There ain't no fret going to touch you. I'm not going to be fretting. I'm delighting in the Lord and his faithfulness. He goes on, commit your way to the Lord. Let me finish verse four. Delight yourself also in the Lord. He shall give you the desires of your heart. We're not going to preach on that. There's a bunch in that chunk. A lot of people think this is like the the ATM of God. It's like, well, as long as you just delight in the Lord, then he's just going to start cranking out bills. And that's not how it works at all. We're talk about that another time because I want to keep going on this committing your way to the Lord. This is an interesting word and I read all the little definition points of it and it's, it's a little like, what do you mean by this, Lord? I'm, I'm confused a little. It, the, the most clear word is to roll. Like to roll, what is to roll your way to the Lord? That's odd. But then if you dig into it a little deeper, you see, seek an occasion to trust or a marked occasion to make a change. A marked occasion to make a change. And it references, there's a handful of times that it references rolling a stone. So they used to put stones over wells to protect stuff getting thrown in them. And then you have to roll the stone away to access what was inside. I mean, anybody think of another instance when a stone was rolled away? So that the disciples could see inside and access the fact that Jesus was no longer a corpse in the tomb. There's this committing rolling our way, seeking an occasion to trust. Commit your way to the Lord. Anybody else know anything that's marked with a stone? A specific marked, a gravestone is a marker. We put stones places and we want them to just, this is gonna stay here. Because, and I I thought of this with this, uh, I have a whole bunch of notes on this one. This is a fun one. Because anybody ever tried to move a stone Not a driveway stone. I'm talking about, this is not a driveway stone, I assure you, because those move super easy. I'm talking about, like, anybody ever tried to move a rock? Like, you think, that's a nice rock. I got married one time. My wife was like, we should put a rock out by the road. We're still married, but (laughs) 
it's like, I set this rock, I thought, I will move the rock, this is a, and it's not a big rock. I did not think it was a big rock. It's a big rock. It's like this big, which is way heavier than you might think. I get the thing moved, and it's like settling before my eyes into the mulch. It's disappearing. She, and I, I'm like so happy. I've achieved this great feat. I'm her conquering hero. And I call her to tell her the rock is out there. She comes out. What do you think? Anybody, any guesses on, this is a side note. What do you think she says? The other side. The other side. Um, and she looks at, and she knows I'm proud as a peacock about this rock. And so she's like, doesn't want to, I don't want to like hurt his feelings, but it's like, this is how I want to look at it. And this is how I am looking at it. Oh, so you want to move it? If it's not, if it's not too hard. I mean, it's okay there. If it's not too hard. This rock weighs more than our car. <laughs> Moving a rock. And I love that, that picture. I like to take some of these words and sit with them and think. Verse 5, this is still in the context of fret not because of evildoers, okay? Fret not because of evildoers. Rather, mark, commit your way. Move the rock. Set it in place as an as a opportunity or an occasion to make a change. To remove from one place in place on or in another. And I thought about that with regards to rolling a rock. Like, it's a big deal. It took me a lot of time. I'll never forget. You can only see like this much of the rock now because it's settling into the earth. I'll never forget that rock. Commit your way to the Lord. Make an occasion and mark it. Commit our way to the Lord and trust also in him. That word trust is the same word that we looked at before. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way. That, that picture of rest is to be silent, to be still, to leave off or to be astonished. We're looking at these words. I know some of you didn't think we went to Hebrew class today and I haven't even tried to pronounce any of them, so you missed Hebrew class, but this word rest in the Lord, it's an invitation for us today. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Rest, to be silent, to be still, to leave off. And I love this, to be astonished. Has anybody ever seen something that took your breath away in a good way? Where you just like, I don't have any words. The very first time I held my daughter, I was astonished. I had no words. And that was a picture that the Lord drew me to this morning when he said rest. He said, that's how I want you to rest. Astonished in me. You know, in that moment, when I held Taya, she was moments old she was loud which is a shocker to all of you I know she was a loud baby but I had nothing to say and in that moment there was no fret there was no anxiety there was no worry I was just astonished I, was, I had no words I didn't have a word to say I didn't have a way to say it and that's the picture that the Lord drew me to Rest in me like that. You won't have any time to fret. The last, the last word in verse A is cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret for it only causes harm. Cease, this continues that picture from rest, is to sink down, to abate, to relax, to let go, and to be quiet. I, um, I've struggled a little bit the last few months to know how best to shepherd us as a body. And as I've, I prepared, I went over this, over this last week, two weeks now, and I wasn't really ever going to preach this Psalm 37. I was just, it was for my own heart, just going over it in my own heart. And, and just in the last couple of days, the Lord really, he's like, I, I want, this is for now. This is for us for now. And so I'm, I'm sharing it 
because I want you to know that I haven't known I haven't known what to say different times to us as a body about things going on in the world. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on. And I have not been avoiding talking about anything because of fear but uncertainty as to how some of the stuff fits with our calling as believers. And I don't, I don't want any of you to think that I am not engaged in our society or our culture or I don't care about it. Um, I care deeply about our society and I, I really truly believe that we are called to be salt and light and I believe this word is for us right now, today. The song that the worship team is going to come forward, they're going to lead us in here. This is the last one that we sang. Um, I couldn't think of a better song, and I never heard it until this morning. <laughs> I couldn't think of a better song to close with because as believers, we have a commission and we have a calling. And just as we honored the, the veterans, the soldiers that served to keep us free, our commission isn't always easy. It's a call to action. Come on up. I'm serious. Come on up. I'm this plane. We're on the third loop around the landing. Our job is to be liaisons for the kingdom of God, to be led by peace, motivated by love, and to carry the gospel with boldness. And this song, Lord Jesus, come. You know he's coming. He's here in our hearts, but he's on his way physically. It may be this afternoon. Legitimately, stop for just a minute and think. The end of the world this afternoon, 2.30, after naps, 2.30. It's over. Just think about that. Have we done, do we carry ourselves with an urgency because of that? Not fretting because of evildoers, but compelled by the love of God to carry that to the world, to introduce people that make decisions, people that talk to people, influence them with the person of Jesus Christ, introduce them to the Savior of the world. This is our job, and there should be not an urgency that's born of fret, an urgency that's born of understanding. We understand this is our last generation. Whether the earth goes on for a thousand years or four hours, this is our last generation. None of us are going to live a thousand years on this earth. This is our last generation. Whether it's a year, a month, 10 years, 50 years, 70 years, this is it. Are we making the most of that from a position of peace? I don't always do the best job of showing peace. I get pretty wound. And some of it is I have too much coffee on Sundays. But the antidote to our fretting is to trust, to be led by peace and boldness. If you would stand with us, I'm, gonna, I'm going to... Make a declaration over us, then we're going to close with this song. And Tom is going to pray or share something afterwards. I invite you to close your eyes this morning. We declare this morning at Revelation Rock that we are blessed and highly favored. Lord, we're blessed in the city and blessed in the country. When we rise up and when we lie down, though this world insists upon trouble and insists upon evil, we are steadfast in the promises of God. We know that no matter what, our God is greater and his promises will never fail. We are not waiting to be righteous. We're not hoping to be a little more righteous day by day, but we are confident in the work that Jesus did on the cross. It's all you, Lord. We are confident of the work that Jesus did in the grave and through the resurrection to make us the righteousness of God created in Christ Jesus. 
It's because of this great truth that we are able to rest and trust, to cease from our fretting, step from this place with boldness, the boldness of lions, and we are confident in the goodness of our God. We know today that greater is he who is within us than he who is in the world. Lord, I thank you so much for this gospel. Thank you for placing your treasure in these earthen vessels. Father, may your love compel us. May we be led by peace as we navigate uncertain times, difficult times. Lord, I just pray that we would be willing to shine our light, the light of the eternal gospel of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray a special blessing over each person that's here. Lord, you have called each of us. Father, I pray special encouragement over anyone that's here today and maybe doubting themselves or feeling, uh, feeling less than. Father, right now, I just pray against feelings of frustration. Pray that your peace would carry the day today. Lord, I believe, Holy Spirit, I, I'm doing everything in my earthly power to yield to you. And I believe that you brought this word for us today. Pray that we would carry this from this place, that we would cease from our fretting, that we would be uncannily peaceful in this world, that unbelievers and believers alike would be able to see us and say, why are you okay? Father, give us the courage in those moments to introduce them to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Sometimes I fall to my knees and pray.